Hey, everybody. God bless you and welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan. This week's message, I speak about a three-part series that I would have entitled A Drink at the Well. And in part one, we talk about a woman of Samaria who came near to draw water. And as she drew, came near to draw water, Jesus said to her to give him a drink. And as she goes along, we understand from the story that this this Samaritan woman has nothing to offer the Lord, has nothing, has no reputation. She is outcasted by others of her own community. She is outcasted by the fact that she is a Samaritan woman. And back in those days, Jews and Samaritans uh, could not stand each other whatsoever. Um, it, it dates way back from the time in, in history of the Old Testament. But she has nothing to bring. She is of no value. She has failed relationships. She, in other words, her life is kind of like your, yours and I, um, our lives that we go through and the daily walk that we have at times. You know, we come to the Lord with nothing, really, because there's not much we can give to a God who has it all, who is a perfect God. But in, even in his perfection, God still makes time. Even as God is God above all gods and above all creation, he still makes time as he made time for this Samaritan woman. He made time to show her that he still loved her and he was offering a gift of salvation to her. And at that moment, this Samaritan woman uh, you know, begins to slowly realize that she is sitting and standing before the Messiah. So I won't take too much more of your time. I'll let the message do its part. Stay tuned for part two coming up soon as well um, for the, from the series called A Drink at the Well. And I pray that you share this message. I pray that it may help and increase your knowledge in the will of God, but that it would give you faith to know that God, no matter what condition you're in, no matter how you are, no matter who you are, God is always willing to give a drink at the well of living water. I pray that it may bless you. God bless you. Please share the message and don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any new episodes. Once again, this is Pastor Jonathan with the Church of Jubilee podcast. I'm going to be bringing forth a series, a three-part series, okay? A three-part series is we have three parts to it. And I've labeled, I labeled this series, A Drink at the Well, okay? And First Lady's already put up there, A Drink at the Well. I'm going to give three parts. Today's going to be part one. And we're going to be talking about this story that is found in the book of John, chapter four. So go with me to your Bibles, to the book of John, chapter four. John chapter 4, verses, today we're reading verses 5 through 10. John chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. And before I go on, I just want to give a special thanks to our brother in Christ, Quentin. Brother, God bless you. Thank you for being. Uh, just so you all know, brother Quentin has played in two services already. <laughs> so if you think about it, if, if he's not tired, you can't be tired either, okay? So hang in there with me, okay? We're going to get to what God wants, and then I'm going to move out of the way. The book of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 10, when you have it, say, read, says this. Amen. It reads, says this. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Shishar. Or Sychar, you can say it like that. It's easier. Near the plot of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was, was there. Jesus, therefore, 
being wearied, wearied is another word for saying tired, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Then the woman said, the women of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. You may have your seats giving glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the background of what's going on. As I said, I want to bring forth a three-part series. And in the first series, I want to focus on the Samaritan woman. There's importance to the Samaritan woman. So Jesus has been touring the land. He's been going around through Judea. He's been, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, making his, what I would call the tour, the rounds that he's making to specific strategic cities that uh, he has a plan for that are going to fulfill and continue to spread the word. And he's on his way, his return to Galilee, and he has to pass through this city that is a city that he, yeah, he doesn't, I mean, most people don't want to go through as Jews. And the reason why is this city is part of a, a Samaria, which is the Samaritans, and, and they, were, they were considered the worst and the bottom feeders of civilization to the Jews. So it's like going through your enemy's territory where you know you can't stand them. They can't stand you. Um, they, you represent two separate things. And I'll go on more into detail about the Samaritans. But he, he's tired and he stops at a well. And at, as he stops at this well, you know, he's exhausted. And he, and he wants water. And he finds this Samaritan woman at the well with him. And this woman comes and she, she's with him and he asks her for a drink of water. And we're going to go into detail. So here's what you need to know. First thing is that Jesus is a Jew. And, they, and is it that you, in other words, saying, how could you be asking me, a Samaritan woman, how could you be asking me to give you a drink of water when I'm a Samaritan? And I'm a woman on top of that. Back in the old days, women had no say. They wouldn't be able to talk to men just out of the blue. They had to have representation of a husband or be completely covered. And, and, and that's the way the tradition, the custom was. But Samaritans were considered a half-breed. So that's a pretty strong word, right? When you think of animals, you think of mixing dogs together, and you get a breed that's a half-breed, not a full-blooded breed. Well, this is how the Jews saw the Samaritans because it, it ties back to the days of, of uh, Jacob. It ties back to even the, the greater days of the kings where, where uh, you know, these Israelites were God's chosen people. And the Samaritans were people that started mixing in, like mixing into the marriage. They started becoming wives and husbands of Jews and, and, and Israelites. And it became a, a big old mess where that's where they considered them half-breeds. So you, you, you were starting to get a picture that the Samaritan to the Jew was like, you're, you're trash. Like, don't even talk to me. Like, please, you're, you're nobody. You're the lowest part of the earth. That's how they felt towards Samaritans. Everybody with me? 
The, the Samaritans were also known for worship of their idols. They were also known to switch, you know, they worshiped idols. And then they, they taught them the book of Moses, which was the old law back in the days after being taught. And so they kind of like go with that for a while. And then they say, let's just mix everything. So let's mix and pervert everything that's there. And so they believe, some believed in God, others believed in idols, some believed in both. And you have an idea of what pretty much the world is today. Amen. A mixture of a, not a lot of bad things and very few good things. But it's important to know this because she can't say, hey, I'm, I'm an important person in my life. Or, hey, I come from a well family that's well respected, well deserved. She is nobody. She is a nobody that's having about to have the, the most important conversation of her life with the Christ who they call the Messiah. She's having a moment where she meets Jesus Christ, but yet she has nothing to offer. You get where I'm going with this? What would you present to a king if they said, hey, go see Queen Elizabeth. Would you take a gift? I know I would as, as a nice gesture, right? I mean, I couldn't bring her nothing to the royalty she is, but I would bring her maybe something of Texas or something. Something that honors you know, her and reverences she's royalty, Queen Elizabeth of England. Anytime you became before him a king, you always had to kneel and bring something, an offering, right? Isn't that the way the traditional way of, of royalty goes? But Jesus, the king, okay, the God that we serve, the God that sits in heaven, the God that is manifested now in the flesh, is not two different people. He's manifested in the flesh. He's taken the form of a human, and he's now before this woman, let me ask you a question. Would a peasant, okay, which is the lowest form of, of the, in the kingdom, that there are the workers that work from dusk to dawn while everybody else lived it up? Okay, simple as that. But would the peasant or the king's subjects, the ones now that are above the peasants that are under them, though that are above, you know, the peasants, but they're under the king, would they ever be allowed to go near the king? When, what stories do you know from history that the king was caught talking to people that were not common? That, that he was caught to people that were the lowest part of his kingdom. They never would talk about that. Amen? They would never go there. They would never talk about it. The king would never say, today I'm going to go out to the fields and I'm going to go talk to people that are working in my fields. Uh, no, they wouldn't waste their time with that. They have much important things to do, like feed off of the farm, the land and everything, and, and, and make decrees and, and strategize their next attack. But it's, it's, it's just that common to the table without, without you know, sharing something that, that would bring value to them. And then here you have this woman. As we already know, she is hated. Her people are hated. They can't stand their enemies between the Jews and the Samaritans. But she's also, get this, if you think it's bad enough for her as are already, she's also outcasted by her own people. I'll explain why. It is known that in biblical times, when they were at a well, something like you see right there, when they were at a well, it was a social point for women. So, which means women would get together around the well and they would talk and, and converse with each other while they were drinking water. And, and, and this was like a social, it was like kind of a, a fellowship. But how many people did you read is with that woman? How many people did we just read in the word of God that is there with the woman besides the Lord? Nobody. Because she was an outcast. 
She was not only a nobody to a Jew, but she was a nobody to the people that she belonged to. Doesn't that sound familiar? Hallelujah. You see, you and I come from a, 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 a place maybe where we were loved and we have family and everything. But, but we also have the, the part of us that we had nothing to bring to God at the moment he stepped into our life. We had nothing to offer God. We had nothing to bring. We were the worst of the worst. We had our failures. We had our sins. Hallelujah. But there was a God that said, um, give me something inside of you. I don't care what the Samaritans think. I I don't care what people say about you. I don't care if they think you're a nobody, that you sleep with everybody and anybody. All I want to know is, are you willing to give yourself to me? Because that's the Samaritan woman. That's why she's so important, because she was so imperfect to a perfect God. But yet God still had the, the, the time, the love to say, you're just as important as the people that went to go buy food for me, my disciples. Think of, let that sit there for a moment. We come to God saying, man, I can't get close to God because I got to be perfect. Man, I can't get close to God because my life's a mess. And I don't want to come like this because I know God expects me to be a perfect. God only expects from you is to give yourself to him. Amen. He says, come to me how you are. I will do something with all of that. Get this, as we read the story in the book of John, chapter 4. Not only was she an outcast by the people, but would you believe that she'd been, she was through six failed relationships? And they all had failed. She was trying to find something that could only be filled by God. Just like you and us will try to find uh, that happiness, that joy, that, that sense of belonging in everything else but God sometimes. She had five failed, if you want to say relationships, marriages, five. She was on the sixth one. Think about that. No wonder why people were like, man, that girl is... Good luck, bud. I hope you, uh, hope you get to marry her because she's failed the first five times. I don't know if she's going to marry you. So she was a nobody. She couldn't bring anything to Christ. She, she had a reputation of, of being a failure, hallelujah, of bringing, being a nobody to people, hallelujah. She, you know, and, and then that's the thing. The sixth person she wasn't even married to. Have you ever heard of the saying, it's a scripture that says, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. God uses the simple things that you're like, that makes no sense why God would move like that, but he moves. That makes no sense why that person would be able to receive grace and mercy when I don't think they deserve it, but God shows them mercy. The foolish things to confound the wise. This woman cannot stand her. So as it is, she's already at a strike one. Just like your friends, just like lady, and by her own people that supposedly you're supposed to love her. Just like your friends, just like the people that love us, right? They're supposed to be there for you. But they won't always be there for you. Because the only one that will always be there for you is the God that says, I need a drink from your water, from the well. Take me back to the well where I can get a drink of the water. Hallelujah. Because in 
return, when you, when you get me your drink of water, I'll give you a drink of water that will go, you'll never go thirsty. And then she has a promiscuous lifestyle that has resulted in those failed relationships with men. So she has nothing, literally. She has no value. She is nothing. I hope you understand what I'm trying to get at. Because religion teaches us that we have to have everything perfect before we come to God. That our life has to be 100% perfect before we step into God's will and say, okay, God, it's time for you to use my ministry. Religion teaches that. Now, there is nothing wrong with the leader who seeks to step into the ministry going through a preparation the world has it. When you go to a, Brother Raul, goes to, when he became a barber, he went to barber college. He had to prepare for it, to be taught the ways. There were certain things he had to be on time for. They probably said, be here no later than 8. You got it. It's a guideline. It's structure. But what I want to relate to you is that when it comes to God, all God wants you to do is come as you are. All God wants you to do is say, hey, God, you know, I'm, I'm pretty messed up. I got some things I need to talk to you about. God says, I'm listening. Uh, you know, God, I got, I got someone that's sick in my family. God says, I'm listening. I, I got someone that doesn't like me. Who is it? I'm listening. We have it all backwards sometimes when we make it so complicated to follow God. We, we feel like you have to go through like 20 commandments instead of seeing 10 commandments because we have to make it in, into the circle. Hallelujah. But can I tell you that the example of the Samaritan woman and the Lord he gave was that it didn't matter what condition she was in. It didn't matter where she came from. It didn't matter where she was at at a point in her life. He said, will you give me a drink of your water? Will you give yourself to me is what he's saying. Will you honor me by telling me, by trusting me, by recognizing that I am the God that can save you. Have you, have you ever been told or felt that coming to God was impossible because maybe we feel worthless. Maybe people said, man, you, shh, dude, you're the worst. <laughs> you're never going to make it, man. Yeah, let me know when you get it to be where you want to be because you remember the past? Your past is horrible and your past is pretty, pretty ugly. I'm sure if, if I was to ask you and I had a film strip and I said, hey, who wants to share their past with me and let's put it on here on the projector? Who would raise their hand? <laughs> I wouldn't. Why? Because it's something we're not proud of. It's something that is a part of what we were. But it's not who we are. Because who we are is when we find our moments at the well. Speaking to Jesus. Speaking to God. Hallelujah. Saying, you know, I have my past. And people think this of me. And they make me feel worthless. And they make me feel that I'm not valued enough. And they, and they make me feel insecure. And they've hit my, my self-esteem. And I don't have a very high self-esteem, Pastor. Because everybody I know always told me that I'm, I'm no good. When I amount to nothing, that I sleep around. That I, I do this. I do that. And if God was here, you know what he'd say? I could care less about what you're, what you're saying. Because what's important is who's before me. 
What's important you encounter Christ along your life. Listen to me what I'm saying. For those of you who have accepted Christ or will accept Christ, if you're watching online, this is for you as well. There's going to come a point in time where you will arrive at a well in your life that God is going to say, are you willing to give yourself to me to trust me, God? But I can't because I got this. I got this problem. I'm so full of this. And God says, I could care less about that. I want to know, are you willing to give your life to me? Are you willing to trust me that I will give you some type of water that will make you and change your life forever? God has a love for all of us, especially for you. And his love is one that transcends. You know what transcends means? It means it goes beyond. It goes, you know, in advance. It goes past what your expectation is. We don't understand why God still loves us, but he still loves us. He demonstrated it. You know what happens when the disciples come back? They look at him like, well, don't nobody say anything. But this is weird. They didn't tell him anything, by the way. <laughs> I think they would have been rebuked if they would have. But the Bible says that they were kind of like amongst themselves like, what are you doing talking to her? Why, Brother Quentin? Why are they talking there? If it's one thing that we can learn from him is that his love is for everyone. Why would you want anything else if there is a God that says, I'll love you and I'll find you at the moment just how you are? But my boyfriend doesn't approve of this. My girlfriend thinks that I'm, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter because what does matter, are you willing to give him something so he can transform you? Under excluded and some of us just you know i think some of us have been living under a, a, a blanket of grace and mercy we don't even know what's above the blanket of how much has happened since we came to christ how much protection we've had how much love we've been shown how much favor we've been given we don't know it because we're under a blanket so we're kind of like the spoiled little brat, Brother Quentin. We're like, ah, my God has my blanket. He's over, covers me, keeps me nice and warm. I don't ever know what it feels like to be cold because I'm all nice and warm under my covers. And every now and then it gets too much. I'll put my head over my, co under, my cover over my head and then I'll peek my eyes out. And, uh, everything clear? Okay, good. Okay, I can bring down my cover now. <laughs> That's how we are. If we would only understand that on the other side, hallelujah, is a love that God has, that he has protected us, that he has loved us, that he has guided us, that he has worked and molded us, hallelujah, that he has done things in our lives that we don't understand, but we know that we trust him, hallelujah, then you would know that every moment you live should be a moment you live for Jesus. We still want to be at the well by ourselves. Some of us are like this, you know, this woman. If God wouldn't have showed up, we just went to the well by ourselves. Some of us like to live on the outskirts of the kingdom of God. We like to kind of be on the outskirts. Like, yeah, if I go over this one right on this side to the left, it's dangerous territory. If I go right, I'm good. Why? Why when God has something for you that has uncovered you already from the day that you gave your life the day you said you know god i'm interested in what you have he has continued to love you why would we want anything else
So, you know, here's the thing. The, the woman, she comes in as she has a conversation. We'll go more into it in the series to come. But she has a conversation with him. And her conversation is very interesting because even though the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, is there and he's asking her, who are you to talk? Who are you talking to me? What's going on? I'm trying to figure it out. There is one thing that God requires in your life. And this is what the woman eventually understands. He doesn't want to be a part-time God to you. He wants to be a full-time God. He doesn't just want your attention on the weekend, on a Sunday at 2 p.m. He wants it throughout the week. Because he encounters, he, he, he yearns, he, he moves and he says, I want to be at the well with my child. I want to have a conversation where they can just be real in their moment and say, God, I've messed up so much. God, I've done this, this, I've done that. People think this of me, they think that of me. That's the moment he says, man, when you bring that to me, I will get that, throw it away and give you something better. But it takes a moment of the Samaritan woman at the well to say, you know, God, I'm starting to think that I know who I'm talking to because you're starting to say things to my spirit, say things to my life that's starting to make sense. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, I don't feel as bad as I did before. I can go back to the people that hated me because there was a love that God has given me. And that love that God has given me is one that maybe they can't understand, but they will one day. He doesn't want to be a, a part-time relationship partner. How do I pray to God, Pastor? How do I keep in contact with him, Pastor? Just meet him at the well. <laughs> Have a real conversation with him. Get, you know, find a time in your car and just be like, God, I feel like I feel like dude, I treated somebody bad. I'm sorry. That's being real with God. You notice I didn't go into any prayers, special prayer, Hail Marys, any, anything that's, you know, reciting prayer. I didn't do any of that. Just meet him at the well. Be honest with him. Because there are some things, and I, and I, and I know this is speaking to you today because I, I feel it in the spirit. I, I, there is some of us that have not let go of things in our lives. Okay? It could range. It ranges from habits to addictions to hurt to things that happen beyond your control. You blame yourself for certain situations, you, you know, and the devil says you're a nobody. You're a nobody to God. He doesn't care about you. He, you know, he, he doesn't, he despises what you do. His Bible speaks against it. You're a nobody. But can I tell you today that you need to rebuke the devil? Amen. You need to say, get thee behind me, Satan, because I know today that if I can just meet and drink at the well, hallelujah, that my life will begin to make a lot more sense. Because he's not worried about religion. God, God, that's, you know, God speaks about a relationship. What does that mean? That means that he requires you to go to him, not to a man, but to him. To receive. But in return, he says that he gives you a life that you could drink of living water, a different way of living.
that has restored you 100%. So now you are worthless to people. People think you have, they have their opinions of you. You probably got in fights and people said some bad things to you. But to God, you're his number one. <laughs> you're his bay before anyone else. You're his VIP. Are you getting that? Because it's important for you to grasp. You see, because the devil will tell you the opposite. You're not worthy enough. You'll never make it. You mess up all the time. Oh, you messed up good on this one. Man, God's going to strike you. <laughs> He's going to get a rock and put it upon your head. That's the devil talking. Her reputation had nothing, found herself having, she found herself at the grace and mercy of God. And do you think he turns away and says, I'm out of here, don't mess with you. He spends time with her. And he, you know what he does? He provokes a question to get her to start talking. Why? Because in the end, she gives her life to him. So before you look at somebody out there and you say, you know, they're nobody. Wait till God gets a hold of them. Because he uses the foolish things to make the people who are smart feel like, why would he do that? Why, why would Pastor Jonathan be a pastor despite his failures, despite his sin? Why, how would he be allowed to do that? Who, who, who approved that? He did. I believe that some of you can't move forward because you've allowed your past to control you. There's another part that as we go along in the series, you'll understand. But this lady's past is very, you know, pretty prevalent in her life. It's very, it doesn't leave as easy. Just like some of the things you have in your life. You say that God has taken care of them, but yet you hold on to them. You say that God has healed you and restored you, but yet you hang on to things. And you're, and, and you're right away the quick to say, you know, I got a good blessing, but I'm still, I'm still bothered by this then God hasn't delivered you. Because if God has, the word of God says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Which means once and for all. It's not for us to go back to being a, a slave to sin. It's, it's all a slave to our addiction. Uh, it says once you have been set free, you're free. What I mean by that is this. There's the influencers, and I'm coming to an end soon. The, the influencers are the ones who influence people. Hey, brother, you want to have this? Hey, man, you want to try this? Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the influences are the ones that are like, oh, yeah, yeah, where? Which way? Left? Okay, I'll go left. Hey, uh, what would he say? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that too. Yeah, what about that? Oh, yeah, I'll do that too. You know, those, those are the influences. And, you know, after a while, these influencers influence these influences, these people that could be yourself. And they influence you in a way where you start to lose yourself because of what they tell you. It could be an abusive situation, an abusive relationship. But what I want to share with you is that you start feeling that your self-worth is based on what others tell you. That's how you become important. If somebody comes and says, hey, you're a great bass player, pastor. Oh, yeah, I feel good. Somebody says, hey, you're a horrible bass player, pastor. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm a horrible bass player. 
Because we allow people to dictate to us. But what about the one that really matters in heaven? What about what he thinks? That you're so important enough that he would stop at a well to have a conversation with you. But some of us let others control our lives. The only one that should control your life is God. You can bring in the children. Let's stand. Can I share with you that Jesus Christ, his whole plan. Listen to what I'm going to tell you because it's important you get this. Do you know why Jesus came and died? Yes, he came and died for the sins, to break the sin, the curse of sin. Yes, he came and died so that we would have, we be forgiven. When he came down on earth so that he can restore a broken relationship, hallelujah, so that he could restore something that was broken, he came to, to, to die on the cross so that you and I would have direct access to him. That when we begin to pray for something, God says, I can hear you. Only this woman could understand. That no matter how broken you are, how messed up your life is, how unworthy you may seem, his love is unconditional. And that's so powerful. And I'll come into an end with this. Can you imagine for a moment how that, that lady felt? Everybody hated her. Everybody rejected her. She was nobody. And here this man is. That she thinks is a prophet and he's spending time with her, talking to her, showing love to her. Can you imagine? She's probably like, just let me just fall right now before you and worship you because I don't even guess she is the worst of her community. And yet God chooses to be at the well with her. So as you were there standing... I want you to open your hearts in the name of Jesus. I want you to open your hearts because God is looking for somebody that wants to encounter him. God is looking for somebody that wants to meet him at a well. All messed up. Life's not perfect. Having issues. <laughs> Just before you join me at the well.